Welcome into Locked On Blackhawks. Today is Friday, June 12, 2020. I am your host, Jack Bushman, tuning in for the 155th episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Be sure to subscribe to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast for free wherever you listen to your podcasts, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. You'll be able to get the latest episode of Lockdown Blackhawks as soon as it comes out each day, so make sure to go do that. Also, please go follow the Lockdown Blackhawks Twitter page, which can be found at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks, as some good stuff will be posted there daily as well. All right, thank you again for tuning into the show. We got a lot to talk about on today's episode, as Thursday was quite the busy day around the NHL, in particular for the Chicago Blackhawks. The day got off to a hot start early as around 10.30 or so, an announcement was made that the NHL and NHLPA have agreed upon an opening date of Friday, July 10th for formal training camps, provided that medical and safety conditions allow, and the parties have reached an overall agreement on resuming play. This news comes a day after the Blackhawks had four players hit the ice at their practice facility for the first time since the NHL pause season all the way back on March 12th. Those four players, for those of you who don't know, were Patrick Kane, Alex DeBrinkett, Alex Nylander, and goaltender Malcolm Subban. So players are hitting the ice at Fifth Third Arena. Training camps are going to open within the next month. So things are finally heading in the right direction after a three-month hiatus from professional hockey in North America. Later on in the afternoon, Blackhawks general manager Stan Bowman met with the media via video conference to speak with them for the first time in nearly three months to discuss a variety of different topics. Bowman respectfully began his press conference by thanking former president and CEO John McDonough for all of his work with the Blackhawks organization and his 13 years with the team. Bowman also thanked McDonough for taking a chance and hiring him as team general manager in 2010, and that he learned a lot about many different things from McDonough over the years. McDonough, of course, was fired back on April 27th, a move that not many people saw coming, but probably one that was necessary to kind of stir up the organization and wake everybody up so that they realize, you know, no one's job here is safe. And, you know, this level of mediocrity that we've seen from the Blackhawks the last handful of years is unacceptable. So uh, some people may not agree with the decision to fire McDonough and maybe think that Bowman or Colleton should have gone first. But I understand the move just because it was a top-level guy in the organization. So I think it was just a message to be sent to everybody else that, hey, even this guy who's been here for 13 years isn't safe because this just isn't good enough from top to bottom. We expect better. So I think the move is reasonable. And, um, you know, I I hope it's a, a move that wakes up the organization and shows them that we need to be better as a whole. Top to bottom, things aren't what they used to be five years ago. How can we get back to doing that? How can we get back to being successful in every facet as an organization? So I think the move makes sense. Bowman also thanked McDonough uh, just for being a good mentor to him and teaching him about so many different facets of the game. And Bowman uh, wanted, really wanted just to get the message across that it wasn't uh, you know, a personal decision probably that McDonough got fired, but... Um, he did many good things for this organization during his time here, whether it be getting the fans back involved, uh, just running, you know, a, a clean hockey operation for, you know, a handful of years and just being one of the classiest organizations in Chicago. I think it was uh, right of Bowman to start his interview by doing so. And, uh, I- I'm glad he did that because 
McDonough deserves his respect for what he did for the city of Chicago and also the Blackhawks organization as a whole. So then Bowman went on uh, to talk about some Blackhawks injury updates after talking about McDonough. The Blackhawks were one of the most banged-up teams before the regular season was put on pause. So honestly, this break really did them some good. Lots of injured players getting time to heal, and a lot of the older core players getting some much-needed time off before this playoff push. In particular, Duncan Keith, who's probably going to have to play around 30 minutes or so a night because uh, the defense isn't exactly the sturdiest in Chicago. So yeah, maybe the break doing the Blackhawks some good there. To start with some good news, Adam Boquist and Drake Kajula, both guys are fully healthy and ready to go once training camp opens up. Boquist was dealing with a concussion, and Kajula was dealing with a hand injury, but Bowman said that um, neither guy was going to be out for too long if the season had just gone on as normal, that both guys were going to miss a little bit of time, but he wasn't going to rule them out long term. Then some other good news here, shutdown defenseman Calvin DeHaan who had shoulder surgery midway through the regular season, is expected to be ready for camp on July 11th. A huge, huge addition to the Blackhawks' defense. We really, really missed Calvin DeHaan down the stretch there, and he just provides so many of the intangible things, just the shot blocking, uh, going into the corners, doing the dirty things, cleaning up in front of the net. So that's a huge, huge boost to the Blackhawks' lineup there. He'll probably be slotted... Uh, on the Blackhawks' second pairing with Connor Murphy, which we'll get to uh, in just a moment. But as for Brent Seabrook, Andrew Shaw, and Zach Smith, their statuses remain up in the air, but we will likely know more in the next couple weeks here as we get closer and closer to training camp. But if I had to guess, I'd say because Shaw is dealing with a concussion issue that he likely won't be suiting up for the postseason. There haven't been any indications over the last handful of months that he's hitting the ice anytime soon. And actually, in fact, they've swung more in the other direction that he could actually retire. There have been whispers going around, and I actually saw uh, the Athletics' Mark Lazarus mention that today. So there have been those talks about Shaw retiring, and there's been more of those talks than there have about him returning. So kind of a scary, tough situation there. And Bowman even said he didn't really have much of an update to give on Shaw, which kind of shows you how the team is feeling about that situation as a whole. Brent Seabrook has another serious situation, as he just had double hip surgery and shoulder surgery not too long ago. Three major surgeries there for Seabs. Uh, his original timetable was to be ready for training camp, which would be right around when the postseason series versus Edmonton could be starting. But even then... I don't think there's really a rush to get Seabrook back, as he didn't exactly offer the Hawks too much, even while he was healthy this season. So my guess, I think he would also not be suiting up for this postseason either. Uh, I just think the best thing for Seabrook would be give him a whole offseason and rehab, uh, training camp, preseason, everything, just to get the feel back and get the speed down. I don't think the Hawks just want to throw him out into playoff hockey after having double hip surgery and shoulder surgery, I don't think that would be the right move. So yes, I would expect Brent Seabrook, uh, much like Andrew Shaw, to not play for the Blackhawks at all in this 2020 postseason. So Zach Smith, he is the one I think actually does have a chance to play, but I still really 
don't have a grasp of how his how severe his back injury is, so I really can't say for sure that I expect him to play. Obviously, his injury is serious enough that even after a three-month break, his status is still up in the air, so it, it is fairly serious. Uh, so we'll just have to wait and see on all these guys, I guess. And that's kind of even what Bowman basically said. He said he doesn't have a definite update on them yet either. Other than that, they're still progressing through recovery, and that we'll know more in the next couple of weeks here. So just the wait-and-see game for Shaw, Seabrook, and Smith. But the good news is that the Blackhawks can expect to have Boquist, Kajula, and Calvin DeHaan at 100% for the best-of-five playing series versus the Edmonton Oilers. Good news there. All right, so that wraps up Stan Bowman's conversation about the Blackhawks' injury report. Now we're going to move on to Bowman's next topic, which was top prospect Ian Mitchell's eligibility for the 2020 postseason. But first, I need to talk about rockauto.com, the best place to shop for all your auto and body needs. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. Visit rockauto.com and tell them the Lockdown Podcast Network sent you. That's rockauto.com for an amazing selection and reliably low prices. Listen, we've all had our share of car problems. How much easier is it when you have an auto and body shop you can rely on? Well, rockauto.com has your back for all the car parts you will ever need in any situation. One more time, check out rockauto.com for reliably low prices and an amazing selection, and make sure to let them know the Lockdown Podcast Network sent you. rockauto.com, an auto and body shop you can trust for reliably low prices. This is the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for listening today. I am your host, Jack Bushman. Be sure to check out my personal Twitter page, at JackBushman2, and my Blackhawks Twitter page, at TalkinHockey. That's capital T-A-L-K-I-N, capital H-A-W-K-E-Y. Also, make sure to subscribe and follow the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free wherever you listen to your podcasts, and also on Twitter, at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks, to get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each day. All right, so we just finished talking about the NHL opening training camps on July 10th and the Blackhawks injury report. Now it's time to move on to our next topic, which is top prospect Ian Mitchell's eligibility for the 2020 postseason. Unfortunately, Blackhawks fans, this isn't good news here. As Stan Bowman mentioned during his video conference on Thursday afternoon, that he does not expect Mitchell to be allowed to play in the playoffs, but nothing is finalized at the moment. The NHL and NHLPA have until July 1st to decide whether or not entry-level contracts signed during quarantine are eligible for the postseason, which is honestly a fair argument here. I'm not sure if the Hawks or a lot of these teams (laughs) that wouldn't have actually made the postseason would have called these kids up had the season progressed naturally, so it's a fair argument and I get what they're saying. Uh, and Bowman gave a quote which sort of made it sound like the league was going to rule against allowing players like Mitchell to play. Uh, the quote was, quote, right now, there's no current contracts that are going to be approved. If that does change, certainly we'll add Ian into the mix, close quote. That first sentence, to me, shows how the league is feeling about these scenarios right now. So I, I wouldn't expect Mitchell to be a part of the Blackhawks roster until opening night next year. And although the Hawks certainly would have liked to have Mitchell for their stab at a Cinderella postseason run, 
a full training camp and preseason under his belt would probably be best before throwing him into NHL action. Not, not to say that Mitchell couldn't do it. The Blackhawks think very highly of him, and he's been ready to jump to professional hockey for well over a year now. But some time with the team this offseason would likely ease his transition into the big leagues. So, development-wise, maybe not the worst thing for Ian Mitchell if he can't play. I know it would have been another huge addition to the Blackhawks' blue line, but he's still a smaller-sized kid that hasn't even gotten a sniff of NHL speed yet. This probably wouldn't have been the best time to introduce him to professional hockey. But don't get me wrong, I mean, Mitchell still, he still could have performed well, and all of this still could change before July 1st, though, so don't forget, nothing is 100% set in stone. But now that the Blackhawks don't expect Mitchell to be eligible for the 2020 postseason, that essentially finalizes their defensive pairings for the opening series versus Edmonton, uh, at least in my opinion, I, I would say. I would expect Keith and Boquist to remain together on the top pairing, while DeHaan and Murphy get put together to create the shutdown pairing to try and prevent Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl from taking over the game, which is certainly easier said than done. Those guys were number one and two in the league in both points and assists when the league got paused back on March 12th, so two dominant forces that have been really good for some time now. So that's why I think DeHaan and Murphy need to be put together because the Blackhawks need their two best defenders on the ice at the same time when those guys are playing because it, it could get ugly if the wrong guys are out there against McDavid and Dreisaitl. Uh, in four games or three games against the Blackhawks this season, I think it was three, yeah, um, Dreisaitl had seven points. He had one goal and six assists. So he really uh, took over those games. McDavid was held to his own. He didn't have any points in the two games against the Blackhawks this season that he played in, but we know what he's capable of. He's McJesus, so I don't expect him to have no points this series. He's, he's going to, you know, McDavid's going to McDavid out there. Uh, but the Hawks can do their best by putting DeHaan and Murphy together. I think that's just a wise move there. And that leaves Olimata and Slater Cuckoo on the third defensive pairing. And the two have actually had tremendous success together this season, which I have mentioned on a couple episodes now. Believe it or not, the Mata and Cuckoo pairing have the highest Corsi of any Blackhawks defensive pairing with over 30 minutes together this season. In over 360 minutes, the two have a 53.04 Corsi 4 percentage, which you would just never expect. So I think it's pretty certain that the Blackhawks will roll with Mata and Cuckoo to round out their defense. And I also think it's pretty certain that those will be the Blackhawks' six guys on the back end in Game 1 versus Edmonton, uh, unless something changes with Ian Mitchell or Brent Seabrook's status in the next month or so here. I would expect Lucas Carlson to be the Blackhawks' seventh defenseman for the postseason, but Nick Sealer is certainly in the mix for that position as well. So we'll see what happens there, but I don't think either of those guys are really going to play too much in the postseason uh, unless someone really struggles or has a couple of bad games. So there you have it. Those are the seven or eight guys I would expect the Blackhawks to roll with as they try to make a run for the ages in the 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs. Okay, coming up in just a minute, it's another Flashback Friday as I throw it back to Game 1 of the 2013 Stanley Cup Final against the Boston Bruins. But first, I have to talk to you about Built Bar, which is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Built Bar comes in eight different chocolate nut or nut-free flavors, which are completely covered in 100% real chocolate. Not any of the fake stuff they try to sell you sometimes. This is the real deal, 100% chocolate. 
Built Bars are magnificent tasting and also health conscious, so you can enjoy a tasty snack while also staying fit. Most bars are only 110 calories, but all bars are 170 calories or less, while they're high in protein and high in fiber as well. What more could you want from a protein bar that tastes like candy? I am not lying when I say you need to go to BuiltBar.com right now and use promo code LOCKDOWN in all caps to get $10 off your first order. That's all caps LOCKDOWN at BuiltBar.com to get $10 off your first Built Bar order. Who doesn't like a protein bar that tastes like chocolate and candy? Make sure to use promo code LOCKDOWN to get $10 off your first Built Bar order. I am Jack Bushman, your host of the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. You can reach me on Twitter at JackBushman2 or at Talkin' Hockey. That's capital T-A-L-K-I-N, capital H-A-W-K-E-Y. Or you can also email the Lockdown Blackhawks email, which is LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com for any questions regarding the Blackhawks, myself, or simply just life in general. Thank you again for tuning in to Friday, June 12th's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. We've already discussed NHL training camps opening up on July 10th and Ian Mitchell's eligibility for the 2020 postseason. Now it's time to flip the script and look back to sweeter times as it's another episode of Flashback Friday. But first, I want to remind you that Monday's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks is Mailbag Monday, so make sure to hit my Twitter accounts or the Lockdown Blackhawks email with any questions you want answered on the podcast. Please don't hold back. Anything you want answered, throw my way, and you have a chance to get your, your question answered on the show. Okay, so now back to Flashback Friday, which is taking us back to Game 1 of the 2013 Stanley Cup Final versus the hated Boston Bruins. To set the scene a little bit here, the Blackhawks were just coming off a dominant 4-1 series victory over the 2012 Stanley Cup champion Los Angeles Kings with a Patrick Kane hat-trick in Game 5, including the overtime winner to put a dagger into L.A. But the Boston Bruins were coming off a dominant conference final of their own as they swept Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins, allowing just two goals combined in the four games. The Bruins pitched two shutouts and gave up just one goal in each of the other two contests, so they were on their own path of destruction in the Stanley Cup playoffs and were a very capable team that had just won the Stanley Cup two years prior. Their roster was pretty loaded from top to bottom, as up front they were led by Patrice Bergeron, Milan Lucic, Brad Marchand, David Krejci, and of course the legend himself, Yermir Yager. The back end was just as strong for the Bruins as they were led by Captain Zdeno Chara, and he had a pretty strong supporting cast around him as well, with Dennis Seidenberg, Johnny Boychuk, Andrew Ference, and a young Tory Krug back there with him, and then Tuka Rask in goal after Tim Thomas was no longer the man after such a dominant 2011 postseason. I won't forget that. Timmy Thomas just willing the Bruins to a Stanley Cup championship. But he was no longer the guy. A young Tuka Rask was now in charge, and he put together a pretty dominant postseason run before the Stanley Cup final as well. Uh, the Blackhawks put in one of the most dominant regular seasons in NHL history, going 36-7-5 in the lockout-shortened 48-game regular season, earning them home ice in the Stanley Cup Final. So Game 1 was back in the United Center with roughly 22,110 fans roaring in attendance. And oh boy, 
where they in for a treat on that Wednesday, June 12th. All right, so the opening period was mostly filled with the two teams feeling each other out, kind of some back-and-forth action there. But Boston finally opened the scoring with just under seven minutes to play as Nathan Horton found a wide-open Milan Lucic in the slot after a Blackhawks turnover and a defensive breakdown in front of Corey Crawford, giving Boston a 1-0 lead heading into the first intermission. The Blackhawks were hoping to come out of the dressing room with a little more pep in their step than they had in the opening 20 minutes. But that didn't exactly go as planned. David Krejci picked up his second assist of Game 1 by finding Milan Lucic for a one-timer on a 3-on-2 rush for his second goal of the game just 51 seconds into the second period. And all of a sudden, the Bruins are out to a commanding 2-0 lead in the United Center in Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Final. But the Blackhawks, as they seem, seem to do all season long, bounce back. Less than three minutes later, a terrific steal and set up by Marion Hossa found Brandon Saad alone and tight to cut the Boston Bruins' lead in half, 2-1. to one. That goal actually was Brandon Saad's first career postseason goal, if you can believe it or not. So, first of many, and hopefully many more there for Sodder. The Blackhawks kept their foot on the gas for the remainder of the second period, but Rask and the Bruins' defense did a good job of maintaining their lead heading into the second intermission. Once again, the Blackhawks were looking to get a big push out of the locker room, <clears throat> but once again, they failed to get the job done. Boston regained their two-goal lead on the power play early in the third after a young Tyler Sagan found Patrice Bergeron for a one-timer from the left circle, and he made absolutely no mistake about it, rifling the shot over the glove of Crawford to make it 3-1 to one Boston. But much like last Flashback Friday, this story has a happy ending as the Blackhawks somehow found their way to claw back yet again. Less than two minutes after Boston regained their two-goal lead on the power play, the Hawks answered back again as Dave Boland beat Rask with a one-timer after Andrew Shaw made a nifty feed in transition. 3-2 to two Bruins now. The Hawks capitalized on their momentum and continued to surge on Boston, and they'd be rewarded for their efforts four minutes later as Johnny Oduya snuck a shot from the point through Rask's legs to even up the score 3-3 three to three late in the third period. Just a heartbreaker for the Bruins to give that one up. So this game was headed to overtime, and little did we know, there was basically a whole other game of hockey to be played that night. One overtime, gone. Two overtimes, gone. Then, near the midpoint of the third overtime, the Blackhawks finally got the job done as Michael Roosevelt's shot from the point was deflected twice on its way to the net, first by Dave Boland's stick, then off Andrew Shaw's shin pads, which drew the famous I love shin pads quote after netting the game-winning goal and giving the Blackhawks a huge game one victory at home. Especially when you consider how the rest of the series went, it was important for the Hawks to come out strong in the series opener at home, and they did just that by fighting their way back and scoring the final three goals of the game to earn the game one victory. Just to tell you a little bit about this game and just how long it was, Duncan Keith led both teams with 48 minutes and 40 seconds of time on ice. Keith nearly played an entire hockey game himself that night. Oh, and by the way, he played over 9 minutes more than any of his teammates. Just unreal stuff from Duncan Keith, which just shows you how much of an animal he was during those cup runs back in the day. Alright, so I think that is going to wrap up Flashback Friday, June 12th episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. I hope that segment helped put you in a good mood heading into your weekend. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and make sure to give the Lockdown Blackhawks Twitter page a follow 
at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks. Also, be sure to subscribe and follow the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you'll get the latest episode of Lockdown Blackhawks as soon as it's out each day. And after the show, ask your smart device to play the Lockdown NHL podcast for all the latest news about a potential return to hockey in the coming months. Thank you again for tuning in to today's episode. I am Jack Bushman. Don't forget the next episode of Lockdown Blackhawks is Mailbag Monday. So please, please, please hit me on Twitter at my personal account, Jack Bushman2, or my Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey. That's capital T A L K I N, capital H A W K E Y. For any questions at all regarding anything related to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, or you can always email lockdownblackhawks at gmail.com or call 708 653 0572 to leave a voicemail. I really enjoy the questions you guys send me for this segment, so please make sure to do that again this week. It's always fun interacting with all you listeners out there. All right, so thank you again for listening to Flashback Friday's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Until next time, please enjoy your weekend responsibly.